0: Hi everyone, my name is Charlotte, I'm a lived experience practitioner having had years of lived experience of an eating disorder. I'm here with Annie today who's also a lived experience practitioner of uh, binge eating disorder and we are doing a podcast today on uh, eating disorders and ethnicity and it's for Eating Disorder Awareness Week to raise awareness on several topics about eating disorders so please do tune in to the other ones. Uh, Today we're we're talking about ethnicity. Our conversation comes with a bit of a trigger warning that we will be talking about uh, eating disorders and words like weight and recovery and, and difficulties that have been faced through that will be mentioned so please keep yourself safe during listening to this and if you do feel affected by anything we talk about the BEAT website uh, or please go and see your GP. Um, Maybe you can uh, can start by giving us a little bit of background um, on general eating disorder uh, demographics. Well I
1: I mean for me I think and this is kind of probably a big part of the sort of ethnicity Um, I would say the ethnicity problem when it comes to eating disorders is that I think the image of eating disorders is very much white, young, a woman and anorexia. And I personally didn't fit any of those (laughs) other than women, obviously. Um, But I was, um, you know, I was 37 when I was diagnosed and I'm black British. I had binge eating disorder. So I think the 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 image and the face of eating disorders doesn't really reflect me Um, and I think that's one of the challenges is that you don't see yourself so you don't think it's really relatable or relevant to you Um, so yeah I, I know now that it does affect everybody but at the time before I was diagnosed it wasn't a thing really that I thought was me because of that demographic
0: Did that
1: make, did that make more difficult there? Um, I don't know if it made the diagnosis different. I just don't think I really. Um, it was it was probably a, a bit challenging to think of and accept that I had an eating disorder. So, although I kind of knew when I was diagnosed that okay, some of these symptoms, yes, I am really struggling. I am distressed. I do. You know ovary i eat too many calories in a short amount of time like all of those things i could see it but then it was challenging to accept it and what happens is or what happened for me is that along the process of you know you get diagnosed and you're referred and all of these weights and stuff like that that you have in between it's it allows for you know doubt to creep in and you think am i just being like over dramatic am I like is this really a thing like I don't people like me don't you know aren't affected by this kind of thing I don't I just overeat it's just me I've just got to get myself together like it's not really an disorder so I think the it's not that the diagnosis itself was hard to like get I guess from the service but it was the acceptance that this was what I was dealing with Um, and then on top of that you've got like my family and friends who also don't who don't see it like that and so they can't really understand. So then I'm trying to explain it to them to get their support as well as trying to kind of rationalize it out I guess in my head that this is a thing that I'm dealing with and it is valid um, and yeah it, it's just it just felt like you know I just it's not something that is me like and relatable to me and my experience of life and my background and but I'm stepping into this space where I've got this diagnosis and I'm in this space that just doesn't feel comfortable for who I am Um, and I think that's the that is a huge challenge Um, and you do it does take a lot of courage and resilience to kind of almost fight for your own healing um, in that space because you're stepping out of what's comfortable to you um, in, a, in almost like a bit of a, a leap of faith because you don't even really know because you're constantly doubting yourself like I was constantly doubting myself there are so many times where I was just like oh this is just me this is just Annie being overdramatic just stop Annie like there's nothing wrong with you like just stop eating <laughs> exercise more stop eating go on a good diet you'll lose the weight you'll be fine and you know not Fully embracing, I guess, the fact that this really is a it is a mental thing that I had to heal from.
0: It sounds like the the perception, the perceived stereotypical demographic of an eating disorder, really impacted your your sort of um, coming to the terms of the diagnosis yourself, coming to the, the acknowledging and accepting the problem.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things I often say is that, you know, my biggest regret is that I didn't access treatment sooner. Um, And I think I'd got to a point in my life where I just couldn't like live like it anymore. It was so distressing. I felt like it was impacting my life so much. And I think that's what was real the real drive. It was like, this is my only hope, (laughs) so I have to. But maybe if I'd have felt like something was more relatable to me, I might have got help sooner um, because it it was it was hard. But I guess being older as well, it just meant that I could you know push through. I had the resilience and the skills to be able to just, okay, I'm used to being in environments where I'm the only one or I don't fit in or whatever, but I need to I need something to help me. Um, and I think that's what really encouraged me to just keep going. Um, and also, I think, like we're talking about, of you know, ethnicity. And when I went to my uh, GP, I was actually going because my gran had passed away a year before um, and I was like her carer. So I was really, you know, she was centre of my life, really. And I was feeling very down and very lost. And I only went to the GP because I just needed help and support in that and it was actually a black G, a black woman who was my who was the gp that i happened to see so i often asked my and wonder to myself i guess you know there were there's a number of gps in that surgery if i hadn't seen her would i have got the treatment in terms of continued down that path? and would i have sort of been as open um in that first initial Meeting, I guess, um, appointment with her to then have been referred on to then people starting to see okay maybe this is an issue more about eating than it is necessarily about just grieving, Um, and I think that just highlights another reason why representation not just you know someone like me representing in terms of I've had this eating disorder but in the healthcare profession in general why it's so important because i may not have said some of the things i said to my gp if i didn't feel that she could relate or that i was didn't feel as comfortable um so yeah so i i guess you're coming back to your your um and your question it's just i think i was at a point in my life where i just needed help like it was almost like i don't care what i have to do i don't care how i feel i just need to get help and I remember having my assessment, and and I was asked out of ten, how ready are you (laughs) to sort of, you know, commit to this and do this? And I was like, ten out of (laughs) ten. You know, I was just, I just couldn't live like that anymore. So
0: yeah. Um, I was wondering (laughs) if you could talk a little bit more about that, like how how you discovered, really, and accepted. Um, What was your journey like into that? Into getting to the point where you were starting treatment
1: um well like i said i went to the gp first because i was just feeling really low and i to be honest with you i just wanted a couple of weeks where i didn't have to get up get dressed, go to work um so that i felt like okay i'm just gonna get myself together eat properly you know get myself back on track that's how i felt um and then i'd feel a bit better and it was my gp just kind of asked me more questions um, how I was feeling and you know different about different things in my life and we just had like a conversation and stuff and then she referred me um, to then have to sort of look into whether I should have counselling and then what like a really for another assessment basically so I had a telephone assessment and um, yeah I had that telephone assessment and it was actually during that conversation that I was, I just kind of brought up, you know, I just need to to get my eating back on track and then I'll feel better. I think I said something like that. And then she just started asking me more about that and how I eat and what I eat and how often and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And I think it was the point when she said that sort of binge eating disorder is really, one of the things she said was that is where you kind of like would eat 2000 calories in a short space of time. And I remember bursting out laughing (laughs) and I think it might have been a bit of a nervous laugh because I was just like I suddenly I thought to myself like 2000 calories in a short space of time is nothing for me. Like, you know, I've dieted most of my life, so I know the calories that are in things. So I know that it was nothing. And I think that was probably the first point where I was like, oh, this is a thing like this is serious then. Um, And I was I was meant to start sort of like a weight management program, I guess it is, um, but then I think the person who was running it sort of felt that I needed more specialist treatment. And then that's when I went, um, I was referred and then got an ass- another assessment and I was then diagnosed with um, binge eating disorder. Um, and then, I, I mean, that kind of happened just before Covid hit. So there was like lockdown. And then obviously you think, well, I'm going to have to wait like months for, you know, like six, 18 months, however long. But it was meant to start in April. But then because of Covid, it got delayed. Um, and I think the other thing I will highlight is just that for me, it's always been about losing weight. I just need to lose weight and I'll feel better. And um I just, I don't know. I just feel like when I was diagnosed, it wasn't, oh, I'm going to heal from an eating disorder. It was just like, oh, these people, I'm going to get professional help to like lose weight. This is finally going to happen, um, and that was that in itself was just another big challenge because I was having to accept. Even once I started treatment, I think I eventually started the program. So I was diagnosed in February 2020 and I've, I started the program in September 2020. And um, so there was, a, there was a bit of a gap because of COVID and it was online. But I had to a big part of even just start even when I started was just accepting that this wasn't like a weight loss program. Um, that was that was really hard. And I don't know if that is to do with as well, culturally, like my background is just, you know, I do a lot of work anyway around mental health, but it was just, is this really about, is this really what I'm dealing with? Or do I, just, it is really just about food, like just sort out your eating and your food. And it's, but it was just a, a lot more than that, I think. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of the journey. I was diagnosed, it was meant to start in April. It didn't start. I was just like, okay, I'll just try losing weight before that starts anyway. And then it was kind of rescheduled for September. And I had, I think in total, I had three individual sessions and then I had like a 12 week program. And um, I mean, by the time I finished, I was I wasn't binging um, or restricting food, which was great. That was a huge for me. That was what recovery was about. Um, but yeah, so it was but it was it was it wasn't easy. <laughs> I put it that way. It wasn't I had some really. Really hard times, kind of both. I don't know, there's so many, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what else to say. Um, It was just, it was hard. Um, And I think as well, like, I mean, I know this is all, this is really about ethnicity and just my culturally. um, There's a number of things, I mean, Spoken about before about barriers, and I think a big one is not only is it about not seeing yourself in an eating like for the face of eating disorders, but it's also under it's like the understanding of what my culture and community like how we perceive eating disorders because I think it's not so much that well around mental health or mental illnesses because you know. We we understand that, but it's just eating disorders are like this other this other thing that just doesn't happen to us. Like like for me, like in I would have like my grand's friends come over and just be like, "Oh, you're nice and fat." Like that is for them a compliment. Do you see what I mean? But for me, it's like I live in the UK where you're surrounded by images, media that says something completely different. And so for them, it, like, it doesn't make sense that I don't want to eat certain things or if they they show their love through cooking. My grandchild used to show her love through cooking. So if I say, no, I don't want to eat that. I'm not just saying I don't want to eat something. I'm actually rejecting her love in a way. Um, and I think that's that's a hard part of of all this, really for accepting that you have an eating disorder, is that it goes against so much of your own culture um, and what your lived experience is uh, for me as a black British person. So there's so much that you have to also. It's not just about the eating disorder. It's so much else that you have to deal with in order to accept, number one, that this is what I'm dealing with. And then also now, how am I going to deal with it? You know, And so that was a big, a big thing. And then even through the programme, I remember like, for example, there was, you know, you had to learn about assertiveness and it was, that's great. It's great learning about assertiveness, right? And there's exercises and things you need to do, but when you're reading um, like scenarios and creating dialogues about speaking to people to express your needs, so like, If I had to say to my parent or my my mom or whatever that this is my need and this is what I want, that might sound fine to somebody else. But in my culture, you don't question, you don't do that to your elders like it's just so I'm not saying that that particular exercise is wrong, but it's do you understand that actually putting that into practice is a lot harder for me than Mm. So it might be for somebody else because not only am I going to have to do it which is expressing my needs and is the hard work it's also now challenging an elder in my community an elder in my family that I wouldn't normally do um, so it, that's where it kind of got
0: and, you know a lot
1: harder as well it's kind of sifting out okay what's relatable to me and my lived experience um, versus anyone else that might have to do that.
0: Yeah, you've, you've highlighted um, really important point I, I wasn't necessarily so acutely aware of. In terms of um, yeah, if you're from uh, if your ethnic origin is a um, a black or or other, then the culturally it's very different from say the white white culture, and and trying to fit into that, I guess can a lot of problems in itself, as well as trying to receive the treatment um, uh, as well. So that doesn't isn't necessarily tailored for, for a, a different culture and how body size and food attitude and and I guess also communicating is is different. Uh,
1: yeah, no, definitely. And I think as well, it's also about um, what you see around you, like obviously a big part for me around. I mean, I think we even had like a whole week about it was around your body image and, you know, being a larger person with curves, you know, living in the UK, I'm different. Now, I'm not saying there aren't, you know, people of all shapes and sizes, but when I come, you know, to to see my mum over, you know, in the Caribbean, I'm surrounded by people who look like me, who have the same shape as me, you know, and it, and it's, again there were variations but it's okay it's acceptable it's appreciated you know and yeah. it just makes the whole process a lot easier whereas when i'm you know you're trying to heal in that kind of space it's it's very difficult it is it is hard um and that's actually mm-hmm. something else i was gonna um you know wanted to bring up was just how you know, even in the program, I don't feel or even the whole service, I guess, that I've received, I don't feel that I was specifically treated differently because of my ethnic background um, or that I was an ethnic minority and that's, you know, treated differently. But then I also see that as one of the big problems is, you know, it is a problem in and of itself, because as a black British person, for example, I am used to fitting in to structures, situations, frameworks, you know, all of those. I'm used to it. So when I go into um, my program, right, I'm used to doing role plays that don't relate to my experience. I'm used to hearing about, you know, experiences that don't relate to my lived experience as a Black person. So I just get used to it. So is there a difference? Yeah, not really, because I'm used to this. But that doesn't mean that if I, if those exercises, if those role plays, if those situations reflected my experience, they wouldn't improve the actual experience I'm having through that programme. So, for example, I've had four um, therapists and counsellors over my lifetime. Okay, and three of them were white. One of them was a black woman. And I thought, you know, I, I think therapy counseling is great, and I thought they were great. But it wasn't until I actually had a black therapist that I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> you know, I, I started to see how freely I was able to speak. I started to see the difference. You know, when I was sitting, I had a, a black, uh, a white man at one point, and I remember reading his responses and thinking, OK, I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that and what's he thinking and whereas when I was speaking to this black woman I was just like saying it as it was being very free but until I had that experience I didn't realize what I was actually missing from all the others that I've I've had so I think with um, like eating disorder service it's not necessarily that it's you know bad or wrong or but I just think that there needs to be you know, take into account the experiences of different people and reflect that. And then I think you will see a difference because people don't always know what they want or need until it, it's done um, and see it reflected in the actual program, the actual service. When I scroll through um, Instagram on some, you know, you, you want to see yourself. But if you don't, it's like, yeah, that's not relate, That doesn't relate to me. If I look through uh, on a leaflet or a poster and I don't see myself, uh, yeah, that's not that's not related to me but if I do see myself then I'm going to be like oh what's that like you know so I think that's just another thing I wanted to just bring up because it was I it was something I felt when I was going through the the program myself.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Important point about the therapist like being of a similar cultural background to someone they're seeing because yeah. How could a, a white man understand what you're going through truly as, as a, a, a black a, a English woman? You know, but <laughs> uh, it, yes. it's kind of they can they do their best, but actually they've got their own belief system, no matter how much they've worked through it and they're open minded, they're still coming from that. And something I wanted to comment on you said earlier uh, about the cultural difference that, you know, back um, uh, in your know, native country, your the body type is, is celebrated, and in a way, I, I feel like it's quite it may, it makes me feel quite sad that um, that there's this pressure to conform, and so you're yeah you're not um, you're not celebrated for for who you are, and actually you know women are meant to have bums and boobs, uh, you know it's uh, yeah we're meant to be curvy, and that there's this horrible social pressure to to be something different. And yeah. especially uh, um, uh, black women, it's kind of as you pointed out, it's even more so. Um, and I guess yeah, white um, lack of celebration of for what one is already, not needing to to force ourselves into something different. Um, but I, c- I can appreciate how you said that it's difficult. Then when you're back in in your your own your own culture and, and country that um, then to kind of persuade people or uh, like your eating disorder goes with you it's not like oh as i leave the country um, i'm now you know i don't have the the mental aspect that's a struggle and to so then to help uh, those around you family members who don't really understand like well, w- what's wrong with your body it's fine it's like yeah but actually it's everything that's going on inside oh. you know you you exactly. could literally be any size uh, small or big, or you know, whatever size you want, one is. It's um, yeah, and you can still have all that internal struggle. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. I think
0: that's the thing with um,
1: you know, with eating disorders. I think generally, is like I remember um having to speak to my manager, and at one point, I had to point out that this wasn't just a you know, it's a, about my development or my. D- it isn't just about my desire to lose weight. It's actually a health issue. It's actually a mental health issue because it's very hard for people to really grasp that. Um, and I think even myself, I've like, even through my the program, I stopped binging, I stopped restricting. But what happens is if you imagine I lean on food when things get emotionally hard, when I just need to find a way to cope. So if I take that away, I'm then left with facing all of this stuff. <laughs> and what I found was, I wasn't binging. But then with the non restriction, I was also eating more because I used to fast a lot. So I used to just like go like five days without eating at all. So when I started to eat more consistently, I actually gained weight. And part of my recovery and it's something that I encourage other people to really understand in recovery from binge eating disorder is that you may gain weight like I ha- I actually gained weight um, which mentally was hard because that's a huge thing for me but I also had the understanding that I needed to go through that process to learn to mentally love myself, regardless of what I weighed or what my body looked like. Um, And I think that that was the point when I kind of realized that I was recovered, if you like. I think recovery is ongoing. But in terms of mentally, I felt like I was healing because I wasn't. I might look in the mirror and be like, I really need to lose some weight, but I wasn't looking in the mirror going, I hate myself and I just can't look like this anymore and i'm so distressed and my whole life is just a mess because i look this way i wasn't doing that anymore and i think that is the difference between when you have got like when it is a mental health issue versus just oh i just need to lose weight and i'm you know i need to just stop eating and exercise more you know and i think that was, that was huge for me um, is learning to just accept myself and I also found even when I did come, like to to see my mom, and I was out with her, and it was quite. It was like probably the first six months of since I after I finished my program, and I went out and I saw someone who commented on the weight that I would gained, and for the first time, I actually just said to her, like, um, "Well, I have had an eating disorder." Um, And you should be really careful about the things that you say to people because you don't know what they're going through. And I mean, she apologized because obviously it wasn't her intention. But again, it's just that came because I had started healing my mind. If that had been like before, I would have just like that would have me and my mom were actually on our way out to an event. So I would have been like, I just need to go home. I don't want to be around people. She's right. I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. I just. But because my mind was healed, even though I'd gained weight, I was still able to stand up for myself and say that to her. So it really is. It really is a mental thing. <laughs> it really is.
0: Because it is yeah. about not worrying because at the end of the day, we can't really control our body size. You, 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 uh, the most important thing is nourishment and being well enough to do the things you want to do in life. And yeah. that. that that point about self-love that you are an amazing human being worthy of love your own love and other people's love no matter what you look like it's all it's all internal and yeah uh, when you kind of um, really have overcome that then you're able to do so much more in life like you said otherwise we it's easy to kind of um halt uh activities and and going out and socializing and Um,
1: and, yeah. And make ourselves less capable in a way. But, yeah. yeah. No, I mean that was a huge like because I I mean I started my blog when I was blogging about my recovery and I got to a point where I realized that as much as I, it was about recovery, recovery was more than just my eating. Recovery was about all the, the all the dreams and visions I'd had for my life that I had kind of talked myself out of until I was a certain size or a certain shape it was actually about no go for those now like you can just as you are you know and i think that's that has been that's the part where you're like i often say getting my life back because i feel like the eating disorder kind of really robbed me of so many years of my life because mentally i just felt i wasn't worthy of doing all these things until my body looked a certain way um, but in doing that, I was then holding myself back, feeling really bad. and it, so it was just like that vicious cycle. And now I'm not only, you know dealing with my eating habits and all those things, but starting to step out and do things that I want to do. um and and even in the program, it really helped me in terms of making decisions for my life and and realizing that I I'm a decision maker, and I can choose what it is is good for me and what I need, Um, and that does come down to self worth, you know. And and I think that's one thing I say to I used to, or I have said to people along my journey has just been the most important thing. Um, Maybe two things I'd say about recovery is number one is to know that you're not alone. Because I think in feeling that you're alone, you feel like there's something inherently wrong with you as a person, and that makes you beat yourself up even more. Because there are other people who are also you know, experiencing this, this same thing. Um, and the other thing is self-compassion. Like that was, I think that was the thing that got me through the program. That's the thing that's got me through my recovery is just understanding self-compassion because i used to be so compassionate for other people but i would always beat myself up and just like be so self-critical about me and what i did and everything i said and when you have self-compassion along your recovery journey or through your program or whatever it's it gives you it's like i always kind of see it like that peg that holds everything else together because if you You know, if you do binge or if you do feel a certain way, if you do end up in tears and. It's like that self compassion says it's okay, it's all right, we'll accept it. We don't judge this feeling. We don't judge this experience. It's okay, And that's what then helps you to keep going. Um, So I think self compassion is. is probably one of the, the biggest things that has impacted my recovery and. I think that does come down to what we're talking about which is self-worth and you can't it's very difficult to be self-compassionate if you don't value yourself um so i think that's yeah that's something that i've i always say to people (laughs) self-compassion when it all goes wrong just hold on to self-compassion and it will be okay like that will get you through yeah
0: yeah it sounds like yeah regardless of what ethnic background you are that's a real common theme throughout all all eating disorders and recovery from them.
1: Yeah, and that's it. And that's the other thing I would say um, about, you know, when it comes down to ethnicity um, is I've got involved in this work and really trying to speak out about it because I do want people to see that there are, you know, that everybody really can be affected by this and that I'm a. i said i'm a black british woman and i was in my late 30s so it's not just the demographic that you think it is but i also think on a like a widest in a wider sense there's this it is about actually all of us can be affected by this and therefore almost like the tools to heal are very Um, how do I put it like I don't know how to say it they it's not like this is going to work for me like self-compassion is going to work for me but it's not going to work for you it's actually there is this this like I guess it's like unity like in terms of the things we need in order to be better it's just also understanding that we're all coming from different places and how can we make it more accessible to different people and as much as I sit here and I'm talking for, as a black British woman, I'm also talking for people who are just different and don't fit what is already the current face and that is already catered to. You know, it's about all of us. And I guess that's the most important thing. Like you say, some of these things are universal. Like, It's not just one
0: one thing. Mm-hmm. Annie, did, um, do you, do you, would you say that you were treated any differently Um, in your treatment for eating disorder as a result of your ethnic background or could you see other people of different ethnic backgrounds being treated differently um, in their treatment?
1: I think like I said before I don't think I actually saw any kind of difference um, like in my program or like I mean I've seen I've obviously now know you know different parts of London you know get different services if you like but in terms of in my programs did i see that no but i do as i said before i think that could be a problem the fact that there isn't you know you're just kind of made to fit what is there but does what is there really reflect where i'm coming from as well um am i included in what that thing is or am i having to fit into it um and i would say that that's the from like even the examples I've given you, that's the problem. <laughs> um. Yes,
0: but interesting. We're, we're so um, uh, out of good intention wanting to work on equality that maybe we've actually missed out on the like, Well, actually, there is differences that do need to be um, uh, made aware of and incorporated so that actually there is maybe a potential difference in, in treatment of those uh, of a of, of black ethnicity because of the, the cultural differences and the, the, the body shape differences, quite likely.
1: Yeah, and I you know what? I think that's part of the misunderstanding of what, in my opinion, what equality actually means. Because sometimes we do think equality is everyone just treated the same, but it's not. You know, what I mean, it's actually acknowledging that people are different and people need different things. And people's experiences are different so how do we include all of that to create something that is you know that works for different people it's not you know like i know for example i mean I for example i when i was you know dealing with my gran i was never diagnosed with depression for example but i know that it was it was very hard for me at certain points and i remember like i'm I'm quite an ambitious, kind of driven person, motivated person. But when I was going through that, my to-do list like had get out of bed, go and have a shower, you know, brush your teeth. Um, now to me, that is me doing the best that I could do at that point. But to someone else, you know, their to-do list would look completely different, or even me before would have been completely different. So if that was all equal, if you were talking about equality and you were saying, well, everyone's got to be equal, then you would say someone who just is about getting out of bed is not as good as someone who's got like this long list of great productive things they're doing. But actually the most that that person who's dealing with depression can do, they're probably doing the maximum that they can. So you can't compare people and say, oh, that's equal we've got an equal standard and that's where everyone's got to be, or that's what's suitable for everyone, you got to look at individuals and different experiences and just say like, OK, what did this, what did these people need, what what does this person need? Um, and I know, and it is hard, like it's not an easy task, but I think there's just that acknowledgement that, as I've said before, equality is not just everybody, let's just do this one, you know, brush stroke for everyone. It's equality is about Everybody having the opportunity to be the best that they can be, and creating that space and meeting the needs to help people do that.
0: I was wondering if you, from your experience, if you had any uh, words of advice for anyone else who uh, has an eating disorder or has eating disorder symptoms, and in terms of kind of early recognition and seeking the right kind of help and management for it. or or what you would have given yourself, what advice would you give to yourself earlier along in the journey?
1: I would have said. I think, especially with binging disorder, I would have probably said the moment it just had started getting distressful and affecting your life. Tell someone, um, reach out for help, go to your GP um I'm very much an advocate for professional help as well so really seek it but I'm also aware that not everybody has you know a smoother journey as I did i.e., going to a GP and they've you know they're compassionate and all that sometimes it can be harder but don't give up on yourself um don't accept a life that is less than what you want it to be and what you you know yeah, because I know like with me, I re- it really affected me functioning. It got to, I couldn't function on a day to day. I was struggling every day. And I just would say to people just for the moment it starts getting distressing and just reach out for help. Um, you're not on your own and you're worth it. And there was re- one of my taglines is, you know, recovery is possible for everyone. Like it really is.
0: So just, yeah, fight for it. Um, because you deserve it.